legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset of brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. Well, I'm Gary Michaels, one of the founders of Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. I am so excited to bring on today's guest, Greg Herney, a 30-year-plus hospitality veteran with impressive experience, both sales and marketing, as well as hotel operations. But overall, Greg's just a good guy. And uh, <laughs> I mean that. I think I'm going to put that first thing on my resume now. I'm going to say a good guy. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I like it. So let's dig in. Greg, you're known as a heavyweight in the hospitality industry, but what a lot of people might not know is you're a tremendous musician. <laughs> Tell me a little bit. You, you grew up in a very musical family. Tell us about your introduction to music, your musical ambitions, how, how you've tied in actually music with your work. Yeah, I think there's a, um, I think there's a future book there, Gary. I, do, I know. I, I've, I've flirted around with a long time, but yeah, a musical family in a sense that we all played something growing up. My father and mother uh, used to sing. My dad would play the ukulele and they would sing and they would harmonize. And it was amazing just listening to him as a small kid. We still have recordings of it too, which just brings a tear to my eye. But, but yeah, so they, they were very encouraging. So all of us kids, we had five kids all played some instrument, you know, and did something, but we all, I don't know. I think we had an ear, but I never did anything, anything with it past middle school and the high school band until I was about 30 years old and I'm in the hotel biz and I'm in a beautiful golf resort in Northern Michigan and I'm entertaining clients with played a little golf. And then we'd go into the bar and this husband and wife team, they were just incredible. This band, this group we had in this small bar, the sound they would make with only two people was just wonderful. Of course, I got to know them before, you know, it, they invite me up to do a song or two. And about a year later, I'm part of the act. <laughs> and so I got the bug, you know, where I was uh, uh, singing uh, about 10 songs in front of a group. And as life went on, I was in another hotel of mine in, what, Little Rock, Arkansas. And the controller who reported to me, turns out he's a lead guitarist. And long story short, we threw together a band for fun and then started what was a 10-year incredible ordeal playing uh, classic rock to major conventions across the country, we went way farther than a garage band is supposed to go. <laughs> and, uh, and I was the lead singer and played a little keyboards. And I tell you, Gary, it was, it was 10 years that I, maybe 11 years that I just, I will never, ever forget. And it was just one of the most fun little segments of my life. And we opened for some national acts across the country. We got lucky. But we also got into the studio one day and said, we're getting a lot of really good gigs. It is imperative that we do not suck. So we, we practiced up really well. So how did you pivot to go from music to the hospitality industry? Yeah. And it was kind of by accident because uh, I was um, following my father's footsteps in institutional sales and I was selling um, big kitchen equipment, 
to hospitals and hotels. And one of my greatest clients was a hotel, obviously. And, and my customer was a general manager. I'll never forget his name, Jim Frisha. And Jim Frisha saw something in me. And one day he took me to lunch. I thought he was going to give me a big order. And he took me to lunch and um, convinced me to leave uh, what I was doing and come into the hotel business in the sales and marketing convention world. And I never knew it exists. So I got in by accident. And never got out. It's been, what, 30, probably 33, 34 years. And I uh, covered both the highest level of the sales and marketing convention world you can get into. When you and I met, I was at Bellagio and, and uh, in Vegas and MGM Grand. But I also love running a hotel, not just the convention side, but the general manager side of the business. And so that's what I have really enjoyed. And that's what I'm doing now. I run a beautiful resort hotel in uh, Newport Beach, California. So... Tell us a little bit about being the unicorn, how that came up. Yeah, it was, you know, this was something that germinated in my mind for probably five, six years. And I would have notes put aside. Back then it was on the little floppy disk, right? That we used right. to have. In the, so I'd have these. And finally one day, Gary, I said, I, this is good information. This is information you can leave behind that people will enjoy. And I, I made myself a deal. I said, I'm going to get this book completely written and published in one year. And uh, I almost made it. it. It actually was about 14 months. Not bad. Not bad. bad. <laughs> but I have had such a fun time. And as you mentioned, it's called Being the Unicorn, uh, the business guide to being magical, mystical, and getting noticed. And really, that's a fun title that really means it's for people who want to think outside the box, be innovative in their thinking, the way they handle situations. And what I think is valuable about the message is, being innovated and not just going by the standard operating procedures allowed me to skip some steps and to move up the ladder quicker than if you would have just taken an ordinary route. And I think that's the kind of the legacy message I want to leave behind. It's a great message because life is often competitive and you can have two people or a hundred people, right? Going for the same thing. And it's what makes you stand out from the rest? What makes you different and better? And often it's just the way you positioned yourself and the way that you were different. Yeah. And, and it's a conscious decision though, as you know, in the hotel business, I'd have to go in and take over a new team. Companies are going to change out a general manager or a VP of sales and marketing. They're doing so for a couple of reasons. Maybe somebody moved down to a bigger heights, or maybe there's a problem that needs to be fixed. So the thing is, uh, what I always wanted to do is I wanted to go in and shake it up. I wanted to go in and, and within 24, 48 hours, I would figure it's a win if they're all going home and they're talking to their loved ones about their new boss. And they're saying, wait a minute, this guy's different. This guy's a little bit strange. <laughs> he right. some really strange ideas. And that's where I feel like I've made good headway uh, in my career. So you've been, you know, in the hospitality industry in the South, you've been Las Vegas quite a bit. Yes. You, you went back to the South Tennessee area and, and now you're in Newport beach. What have you noticed is the differences in hospitality in the four different or five, you've probably been to more areas than that. I don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a good point. And, and there's a good, there is a good takeaway and that is the traditional hospitality cities like Orlando. I spent six years in Orlando, which is all about hospitality, right? And uh, so compare that to Vegas, all about hospitality. So the best hotels in the world are in those two cities. So you get a little spoiled because the mentality of the workforce, they understand hospitality a lot better than when you go into the smaller towns, the Little Rock, Arkansas, the Memphis, Tennessee. 
And believe it or not, even Newport Beach, Newport Beach is, well, you could call the suburb of LA, but really isn't. It's a small little burg where there aren't a lot of high-end hotels. So the difference, Gary, is you got to spend a little more time, a lot more time with your staff, trying to get them to look, see, smell, and taste what upscale hospitality is about. So at the Renaissance there in Newport Beach, what makes you guys stand out from the rest? And not just in your little burg, as you put it, but other choices people have to go to the San Diego area or go to other parts of Los Angeles. What makes you different? And even deeper than that, what are you doing as a general manager to stand out? Yeah, that's another great topic. It's what I love. It's what can you do from the guest experience that they totally don't expect where you can blow their mind? And I don't mean just once. I mean, three or four or five touch points during their stay. What can you do differently? What can happen? What can happen in their, in the bar, in the restaurant that they're completely not expecting? And we call those interactions, you know, and activations. Like, you know, at the end of a day, this is a good combination hotel that I'm in right now that, that we get business travelers and we get some meeting and convention travelers and we get a collection of leisure travelers. Well, the common denominator where all those guests is they wake up in the morning and they scurry to get some kind of a breakfast and then they get out, right? Because they got things to do. They're, they're here for a reason. If you're a leisure guest, you're out to the beach or you're off to do something fun. If you're a business guest, you're off to conduct business. So you're not in the hotel during the lunch at all. Our hotel's kind of empty. But then around 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, then the hotel starts getting real busy. So what do people like to do? Sometimes they want to go have a cocktail in the bar. And they're going to decide at that point, well, what's the rest of the night about, right? So we want to capitalize on that and have very very interesting, engaging bartenders who are looking at them smiling. We have a concoction mixed up already that doesn't have a name. We ask them, hey, help us name this. What do you think about this drink? We hand it out in kind of a trial samples and kind of get some dialogue going. And then right when they think the evening's kind of fun, all of a sudden, one of the guests, one of the guests turns around as a guitar and is a singer songwriter. And all of a sudden we'll start to break out in song. And this was all planned, but the guests don't know that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we want to, we want to have a series of these little 45 minute to one hour interactions, uh, that they are going to talk about the next day that they're going to call their loved one that night. So you're not going to believe what happened tonight. And then they come back three months later and somebody in the audience comes up and picks a guitar. <laughs> Got to change the unicorn a little bit, baby. This time they play keyboards or you, or you come out and play, right? <laughs> yeah, I swear. It's where some of my staff have already asked, well, when do you, when do you break out in song? And I say, wait a minute, I need my whole band before I sound right. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's really a good message to our listeners of being a little different, not just thinking about five minutes in front of you, but thinking about really getting creative. When you go the extra mile to be creative, it subtly shows that you'll take care of them for a lot longer than just that interaction. I love it. It shows that there was some forethought given to the guest experience because any hotel worth their salt is going to have a clean room. They're going to have towels and soap, and they're going to have a comfortable bed. And that's a given. What we want to do is from the moment the guest arrives, I always try to tell my staff, we try to create a bubble that when a person walks in our door, things exist that don't exist outside that bubble. And that's what our goal always is to try to find and identify and then execute little subtleties 
that you know are going to make the difference. Right. So COVID. Yes. How have you survived and what have you done to yourself mentally stay good? And how did you keep your staff motivated through all that stuff? I'm telling you, Gary, it was a, you know, right when I thought I have seen it all and has experienced it all in my, in my career, been a great learning experience. Um, this has taught us all to do more with less for sure, to wear many more hats, to have to interact or engage with the guests a little more because Quite frankly, the services love the services aren't there that they're expecting, right? We had restrictions on menus, on interactions, on live entertainment. And so what do you do for those travelers that are venturing out? You know, you don't want to start the visit with an apology. So just interacting with them was what I have done more. So I've already been I've always been that guy who interacts with guests, but I bet you I I ramped it up by 5X, you know, because I wanted to get a pulse. I do it even today. I, I'm out in the lobby and I do a, a general manager's reception two to three nights a week just so I can get a pulse on our loyal travelers and ask them how they're doing. You're a people person. Yeah. I have got to imagine it was even harder for your own employees that are like your family. Yeah, there's there's a good point because when you ask, what have I done? It's It's try to teach that to folks that have never really had to do that. Right. And mm -hmm. the other thing that will come out of this pandemic as we emerge out of it is um, the mindset that we got into was we're in a pandemic and things are different. Okay. Noted. But now as we come out, we got to put that behind us and get back to what is normal. But I noticed that uh, a lot of my workers still are in what I call the pandemic mode, you know, mindset. That is a challenge every day. People get into a routine and the toughest thing is to change their routine. And so that's been the biggest challenge in helping the guests get back to normal. How do you balance? So here at Southwestern Legacy, I have a pretty large team. Yep. I have people that are very driven like I am. Okay. And, and have the same mentality of, I don't mind if someone pushes me, someone, you know, challenges me to get over the top. And I have others on the team that are just as valuable to our company. That you challenge them, you push them. There's a little pushback because they're not used to that. How do you balance attracting rather than pulling and pushing? Uh, I wish I had that 100% figured out. Because Me too. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, what's, yeah, what's frustrating is learning years ago uh, that we all are wired differently. And that's a great thing. It really is. The diversity part of people is wonderful. But it can be frustrating when you're in the hospitality business where everything has to be proactive and, and driving engagement. And yet there are some people on your staff who are taskmasters. You know, they just want to start and finish, start and finish, start and finish. So I learned years ago, you, you know, you can't put the square peg into the round hole. You got to work with the strength that they have. And the ones that I'm really going to try to move, then we do it through role-playing. And so what I have realized is just, just to tell them the concept is only the beginning. And now let's say, so having said that and having agreed with that, having that we all nodded our heads that that's the right way to do it. Let's look at some real life situations. We can't get ice machines from the, the supply chain right now. There are ice machines around on some boat in the Pacific ocean, right? We're waiting. So in the meantime, you know, when a customer says, how come there are no ice machines? What do you say? Here's what you say. Here's an alternative. Here's a, <laughs> here's a suggestion. So that's where we got to take the next step. 
That's awesome. And all of our listeners out there that are leading people or in companies, they're all facing these James challenges right now. I do tell you in the hospitality industry where you have to deliver an experience, who this has been a tough year. Right. <laughs> so Greg, what does legacy mean to you? you know, it's, it's interesting because um, it's a great subject. And you know what? I think that the definition, I think the dictionary talks about legacy in terms of financial, what you're going to leave behind financially. And that all makes a lot of sense. And we all want to be successful and, and hopefully be able to leave um, some financial um, resources to our loved ones. But I also think, and what has really hit home with me is that legacy of, you know, reputation or contribution. What did you leave behind? You know, that your family members and friends of your family members and, and colleagues can still use, can still use for the next generation. And that's why people who do care, people who are concerned about a legacy will seek out ways to solidify it. I'm one of those. You're one of those. Hopefully I'm doing all the things financially that I can, but also things like writing a book, things like giving lectures, having uh, mentored many people like you have. Those are some of the things that I think help me feel like I'm leaving a legacy. It's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm now in the final expense business. That's what we do at Southwestern Legacy. And we help people take care of their final expenses in their life to be able to support and serve their family if something were to happen to them so no one's burdened. And it's ironic because what's stuck in my head over the years is Stephen Covey says, what would people say about you at your funeral? Interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of legacy. Like, it's not how much money you left behind. It's how much did you enrich people's lives? Oh, so, so true. It drives me every day. I mean, it's absolutely when I think about the legacy I'm going to leave, do I want to, I want to be poor little me. Gary had a challenge today. Oh, poor baby. Or was he the guy that, you know what? He got back on his feet and he helped the next person. And hopefully he made a small difference to some other people. That's all we can control, right? Right. right. So how about legacy in the in the hospitality world, Greg, you, you talked about you personally and your family and what kind of legacy would you like to leave in the hospitality world? You've done so much. You've spent so much of your life in it. And when they think of Greg Herning, G-Money, okay, in the <laughs> hospitality world, what would you like people to think about you? You know, I, I feel like, I feel like i um, done a decent job, but still my, my work is not over. And that is the many people, I don't even know how many it is, but the many people over my career that I have helped, mostly young folks coming up into the business who become enamored with where I have been and what hotels and so forth. And then they approach me and they know I'm approachable. And hey, Greg, how did you do this? How'd you go from here to there? How'd you? So that has worked into a very cool little network of people that still to this day, feel a need to send me an email when something good happens in their career or something good happens in their life. But it's still one of the most heartwarming and meaningful things in my life when even to this day, three, four, five times a month, I get some kind of an email, a text, or a call from somebody who I have long forgotten who says, hey, Greg, or hey, G-Money, <laughs> just read your book. Just got this. Hey, just saw something you wrote on LinkedIn. Just want to let you know, you can't believe where I'm doing next. I've just been appointed, blah, blah, blah. Those are the moments. I, I go home and I tell my wife and I read my wife, whatever the message is. And I say, you have no idea. You have no idea. This makes everything worth it. 
And that's legacy. That is absolutely legacy of what you're doing, making a difference on others. That's legacy. I'm still working full-time, running a hotel. It's all consuming. It really is. And I try to do what I can on the side. But the fact is that will wind down. Um, I really do want to wind it down. And that's where I will devote 80% of my waking hours to completely kind of finalizing that legacy. Maybe another book or two, some uh, some speaking tours uh, in the industry, or maybe out of the industry even. Because I, I think my messages that I want to convey uh, go well beyond the hospitality industry. But I got to tell you, Gary, I, I, hope, I hope my health holds up and I'm looking forward to that chapter of my life. Um, very much so. Greg, how would someone get in touch with you if they wanted to work for you, get advice from <laughs> you, come to your hotel? <laughs> so listen, my name and gmail.com, right? So my name is Greg with two G. So, so G-R-E-G-G-H-E-R-N-I-N-G. So Greg Herning at gmail.com would still be the best way. Down the road, I, I may launch a you know, my website with my book and all, but right now, Greg Herning at gmail.com is how most people reach me. So much that you've done in your life, Greg. Um, thank you for your time today. And remember folks, live a life of legacy. Thanks, Gary. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.